Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Studying the book of 1 Corinthians, and we are calling this sermon series The Answer. I'm going to move this because I keep looking over here. Who needs a connect card? It's for you. It's going to stress me out the whole time. Who needs a pen? Here you go. Here you go, G. Take some notes. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Distraction. So we started this brand new series, and where's all my expository loving people ready to study? Okay, I'm going to call the Fernandez crew out, because last week, they both brought their leather-bound Bibles. We all have the same Bible, and (laughs) I'm sorry, but you guys don't always bring your Bible to church. You use your phone sometimes, which is cool, but they sat there, they opened up the text, they were like, give me the pen, and they're ready to study the word. I love it, my expository love and crew. But I do have to give us a little bit of a warning. I have to invite us to put on our seatbelt and buckle up because this is the longest sermon series we will ever do or we've ever done to date. If you didn't know, there's 16 chapters in the book of 1 Corinthians and we going through all 16. So buckle up, people. You're gonna be like, still, really, we're here? You're gonna know this book at the end of it. But I also invite you to buckle up because within this text, there's gonna be an opportunity for us to be challenged on maybe some ways that we think. An opportunity for us to feel a little uncomfortable and maybe confronted, not by a human, but by the scriptures. So if you weren't here last week, you didn't hear the introduction to this sermon, I wanna invite you to go back and give it a listen, but I also want you to listen because Tim gives us a nice little Surgeon General warning about this book we're gonna be in for so long. So why First Corinthians? Why'd we choose this book? Well, when we first moved to San Francisco and since then, every time we read the text of 1 Corinthians, we're reminded how much the ancient church of Corinth resembles our city of San Francisco. Like SF, Corinth was known for its wealth and its influence. It was known as the most progressive city in the world at the time. It was a place that offered the freedom of self-expression and exploration without fear of judgment. In fact, it was a city where you were actually encouraged to indulge in all the things of the flesh, engage in every sexual practice imaginable. Sounds a little familiar, yeah? No? Okay. But while many believers would be like, this place is too sinful, this city is too dark, we should flee, the Apostle Paul sees the city of Corinth as a strategic place to start a church. Why? Because we understand, like Paul, that the the brightness of Christ shines so good in a dark place. So Paul plants this church, and after 18 months, As things, the leadership team set up, they have their band and their production team and they're ready to go. Paul moves on from the planting of this church so he can continue his missionary journey and plant other churches. But not long after Paul left the city of Corinth and that church, the the leaders began to write to Paul and say, yo, we got some problems. (laughs) There's some stuff going on here and we need some help. They began to see how the ways of Corinth were starting to infiltrate the church. So they wrote to Paul, and this is his response. And all throughout this letter, Paul addresses every issue 
by showing the people of Corinth how the gospel is the answer for every single problem that they face. And if their city is like our city, then their solution can be our solution. And we could look at the text and see how the gospel is the answer for everything that our culture has in our face. That it's the gospel that we can look at for the answer for how we live amongst this culture. Last week, Tim introduced us to Paul's letter in that first chapter. And he reminded us as Paul reminds the Corinthians that we may live in this world, but we are not of this world. We may live in the city of San Francisco, but we are not of the city of San Francisco. We've been called to live holy lives, to be set apart for Christ. And unlike the world around us that might think a certain way, we're not called to think like that. Unlike a world that may have, you know, different ideas and practices, we don't have to practice the same thing the world practices. We have built our lives on the timeless truth of the word of God and have determined to live lives that are set apart. And based on 1 Corinthians, and as we studied it last week, the first way that we live our lives set apart is that we value godly wisdom over human knowledge. Tim shared last week that we have to resist the cultural pressure to bow down to the idols of human knowledge and instead value godly wisdom above all else. So that's how we started off this sermon series. And today, here we are in week two. That means chapter two. So if you got your paper Bible, wave it at me. If not, you can use your phone or it's gonna be on the screen. But I wanna let you know as we go into chapter two, that this original letter was not broken up into chapters and verses, nor was the rest of the Bible. No, that happened much later. So some of Paul's speech of human knowledge versus godly wisdom bleeds over into chapter two. So for the sake of time and topic today, we're gonna start off in verse six. And this is where Paul begins to talk about the spirit. You say the spirit this morning spirit. Let's go. I was thinking, by the way, for this portion that I could get very liturgical. And because it's so long, I was like, would it be more fun to have somebody else read it? You know, just like a reading from the book of first Corinthians, but you're going to suffer with my voice. Maybe next time I want to implement that. All right. Sorry. Rabbit trail brain. It's the 11 o'clock service. You're going to get a little more. I'm sorry. All right, verse six says, yet when I am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom I speak of is the mystery of God, his plan that was previously hidden even, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scripture means when it says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. No one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. 
so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. And then we skip down to verse 16 where it says, for who can know the thoughts of the Lord? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things for we have been given the mind of Christ. Come on, will you pray with me this morning? Oh, Holy Spirit, we don't wanna just talk about you as if you're a topic, but we wanna invite you into this conversation. Right now, we consciously open up our hearts we open up our minds to what you want to speak, what you want to say. Would you lead us? And not just in this week, but I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead and guide us as we study this text. As individuals in this room that as we go through topics and conversations that might challenge us, we invite the leading of the Holy Spirit that you would guide us and speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Well, if you like sermon titles, then I have one for you today. You can write this down. It's an invitation. Walk with me. Walk with me. Uh, just singing. It's hard not to. It's hard not to. Uh, I've heard a lot of Christians over the years say how wonderful it would be if Jesus were right here with me. If I could walk out this journey of faith with Jesus by my side. You know, with every challenge, with every, you know, circumstance that I might face and tough situation, how great would it be when I'm facing something difficult and I don't know what to do? I'd be like, Jesus, what should we do here? You know, just whisper in his ear. He's so close. Uh, I've, I, I love the idea of even when I read the text, as I think about the disciples, how they got to spend so much time with Jesus. Not just doing ministry, but sitting down and eating a meal together. One of the most intimate things you can do. In fact, I think about John the Apostle who was sitting so close in proximity to Jesus that he was able to lay his head on his shoulder. Like, I'm kind of jealous of that. How great would it be if Jesus was here? I can't wait till the moment that I enter into eternity and I see him. I'm, I, you know, when things like life gets tough and feels overwhelming, sometimes I'm like, can you just come back now? And then I'm like, crap, I need so-and-so to come with me. So you gotta wait. But I just can't wait for that day. I sometimes imagine what it's gonna be like when I enter into eternity. Do you know what the first thing I'm gonna do if I have a choice? I'm gonna run straight for Jesus and I'm gonna give him the biggest hug. And because I am a touchy-feely person, I am anticipating that it is going to be the best hug, the greatest embrace I've ever experienced. Anybody with me? Where's my huggers at? Yes. But before Jesus left the planet, he said to his disciples, hey, when I go, I'm going to send you someone that's going to be with you all the time. Because the reality is when Jesus wasn't with his disciples, he wasn't with his disciples. There were moments, yes, <laughs> I bring the depth, people. <laughs> Think about it. There were moments when Jesus went off to pray by himself or he went out and ministered by himself. And when he left the disciples alone, they were alone. Or when he sent them out to go gather supplies or set up a camp or do ministry on their own, they were by themselves. You know, Jesus said to the disciples, hey, when you go, when I leave this planet, I'm actually going to send you someone that will be better. Why? Because they're going to be with you all the time. And there are a couple reasons we needed Jesus to leave the planet. I know the disciples didn't understand it at the time that he shared that with them. First of all, he needed to leave because he was meant to be the great and ultimate sacrifice for our sins. He was the great atonement for our sins. 
And when he left and he went to experience death, he made a way for us to be able to experience life. But the other thing that Jesus did, and the reason it was better if he went, is because he said, when I go, I'm going to send you someone who will be with you at all times. In John chapter 14, Jesus shares with the disciples and even us, every other disciple that will come after them, that he would send us the gift of the Holy Spirit who would actually be able to be with us at every time, on every occasion, in every experience and challenge and moment of life. Every second of every day, the Holy Spirit could be with us and walk with us through everything. Acts 2.38 tells us that at the moment of salvation, when we confess Jesus as Lord, that we right then are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 speaks of it's that spirit that actually cries out and identifies us as children of God as it says, Abba, Father. The moment of salvation, we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit so he can walk with us and guide us and equip us through every part of life. And when I was 16 years old, was the, the time of my life and I finally said yes to Jesus. I've told this story before, and I'll tell it again and again, so if you stay here for a long time, you're going to keep hearing our stories, okay? So when I was at a youth camp when I was 16, there was a morning session, and I still remember I was sitting in one of those really short camping chairs in our little makeshift outdoor meeting space. I was wearing my pink flannel pajamas, my feet were in the dirt, and I was sitting in the morning session, and a missionary from Papua New Guinea was preaching. What he preach? I have no idea. Who cares? <laughs> That's what some of you say on a Sunday. Like, I don't know what he preached, but God moved, and I got saved. But at the end of his message, he invited us to pray a prayer. And in that moment, I was like, okay, it's time. And I made a decision to believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus was Lord. And I lifted up my hand boldly, sitting in my pink flannel pajamas. And something incredible happened. All of a sudden, I had a sense that I wasn't alone. But someone new was with me. You know, this crazy thing happened that nobody had ever explained to me before. But what had happened, I was indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift that we could ever be offered. Even better than this very shiny, sparkling gift I have right here. The greatest gift that we could be, ever be offered. And I've noticed something about this gift of the Holy Spirit. As I've pastored over the last 15 years, I've noticed that Many Christians receive it on, upon salvation, but then we begin to neglect this incredible gift. Uh, I recognize that because that was my story. I received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but then I took this amazing gift and I put it up on the shelf and I allowed it to collect dust while I began to try and walk out my Christian faith apart from the Holy Spirit. But what we don't realize when we neglect to pick up this gift and carry it with us, that we are forfeiting one of the most impactful and important relationships that we could ever be offered as believers. When we neglect this gift, we're 
saying, that's nah, cool. Like, thank you for this ticket into heaven, as Romans 8 says. Oh, it's just my opportunity to get to heaven, but I'll try and figure out this life on my own. But this gift of the Holy Spirit, friends, is far more than our ticket to heaven. It's the most important relationship we could ever be offered. And Paul was writing to this Corinthian church to a group of people that were saved. They did have this ticket to heaven. But he wanted to remind them that this relationship with the Holy Spirit was far more than a guarantee of eternity. And in chapter 2, this is the first time that Paul mentions the Holy Spirit in this letter. And he doesn't just mention the Holy Spirit once, but he goes on to mention the Holy Spirit six times. And after chapter 2, as we read on in the letter, we'll realize the Holy Spirit is a common theme that Paul keeps pointing back to and back to and back to. So I think we better pay attention to what he's saying. My goal today is not to unpack all the complexities of the Holy Spirit. Now, that would take a lifetime, and I think we'd only be, still be scratching the surface. Instead, today, my goal is to point out the benefits we have from being in relationship with the Holy Spirit that Paul points out to us here in chapter 2. Benefits that I believe will provide the answer for the questions about how we walk out this life in a city that looks a whole lot like Corinth. So in order to see this first benefit that Paul is talking about to the Corinthian church, I want to invite us to look at the end of this chapter. So we're going to start at the end today. That last verse, chapter, or verse 16, which says, For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. In the first part of this verse, Paul is echoing what's said in Isaiah 40, 13. It says, who could actually know the mind of the Lord? Who could understand all of his thoughts, all of his truth, all of his ways? Who on earth could know the God who created the heavens and the earth, what he's thinking? Well, until Jesus, no one. To know the mind of God was a preposterous thought. But then in the back half of this verse, Paul shows us in the Corinthian church something remarkable. He says, for we have been given the mind of Christ. He says, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Because we have received the Holy Spirit, we have access to the mind of Christ. What? We have access to the very thoughts of God. Verse 10 previously says, but it was to us that God revealed these things. How? By his spirit. For the spirit searches out everything and shows us what? God's deep and secret thoughts. Simply put, this means that the Holy Spirit connects us to God and gives us access to God's mind. Access to God's thoughts. Access to God's secrets, access to God's complexities and mysteries and his ways. Let me take just a second on a Sunday morning and rant at you for a second. Listen, this life of Christianity is not meant to be boring. If your Christian faith is boring, you're doing it all wrong. No, Christianity is meant to connect us with our creator. 
Not for us to simply try and survive life and I've got to just try and work out this life and suffer and then one day I'll get into eternity and I'll truly know God. No, the truth is that we've been given access to the mind of God here. Heaven has come down to earth and we have access to the mind of God, to his complexities, to his ways, to his goodness, to who he is. And it all happens through what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. Last week, I had one of our uh, leaders around here, Drew, who's our, one of our youth pastors, teach our prophetic class that we teach um, for the la- have taught for the last six months for our intercessors. And prophetic simply means hearing the thoughts of God, hearing what he wants to say. And Drew reminded us in this last class, he said, hey, you guys, the prophetic hearing from God, this is where our faith is finally exciting. We're not just trying to survive life. This isn't just a book of rules and regulations that we have to live by. Instead, our Christianity can be exciting. How? By knowing the mind of God. But being given this mind of Christ doesn't mean that Christians automatically know everything there is to know about God. Otherwise, this part of the letter would would have been completely unnecessary. Rather, it means that we have been given access to think like God thinks. But here's what I've noticed, and I think it's what Paul noticed and why he wrote this. I've noticed that although we've been given access to the mind of Christ, Many of us neglect the access. Instead, we settle for thinking like our broken culture thinks. Thinking like our culture thinks about relationships. Thinking like our culture thinks about money or how our culture thinks about purity or sexuality or success. Instead of having the mind of Christ, we can adopt the mindset of our culture. So if that's where we're living, if I have the mindset of my culture, then how do I get the mind of Christ? Well, Paul shows us in chapter two how we get the mind of Christ. He says, and again, note takers, by walking in maturity. It says in verse six, yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. The truth is that the realities and the mysteries and the complexities of God, they can only be found in maturity. So let's make it personal this morning because we didn't just come to hear someone give a speech No, we want the word of God to change us. So I want to ask you today, are you walking in maturity or are you sitting in infancy? Now, I'm not talking this morning to those in the room who recently gave your life to Jesus. Those who just started reading the Bible and you're learning the difference between the New Testament and the Old Testament. And you just found out that the book of Job is called Job and not Job not talking to you this morning. Instead, I'm talking to those of you who've been on this journey of faith for a while. You've had your Christian tag on your shirt. This is who I am, I am a Christ follower. But you'd say that 
your Christian faith looks a whole lot like it did years ago. That you haven't done what the Bible says, you haven't gone from faith to faith, from glory to glory. But your walk looks similar to years ago, you haven't grown. And maybe you're neglecting the basic things of what it looks like to be a Christ follower. Reading your word, or praying. Or maybe to those of you in the room who would say, hey, I'm reading my word, Robin. Like, I've been following Jesus for 10 years, and I read my Bible. Well, let me ask you this. Are you reading your Bible, or are you studying your Bible? Because if we want to know the mind of God, then we have to dig into the text, into the original language, because there is a plethora of treasure that is available to us if we'll simply come and sit and listen are you walking in maturity or are you sitting in infancy? And you might feel like I'm beating you up this morning, but I'm telling you this because I love you and because I've been in your shoes. When I first gave my life to Jesus, it was wonderful, it was glorious. I had that sense that I wasn't alone. But although I had Jesus as my savior and I had my ticket to heaven, it took me a long time to grow. I found myself kind of sitting in that introductory phase with Jesus, sucking on a bottle. I wasn't ready for steak even though it was offered to me. I stayed in this space of incubated immaturity. You know that kid, if you've been to youth group, it's the kid that at the end of every altar call, they lift up their hand for salvation. They get saved every week. I was that kid, but I was not bold enough to lift my hand. Internally, I kept recommitting my life to Christ. I kept coming back and like, no, I do wanna follow you. I was not moving on from the basic things into this life of maturity. And when we don't do that, when we don't step into maturity, we are neglecting really getting to know our God. We're neglecting the gift of the Holy Spirit who wants to reveal the mind of Christ to us. If you're new to this journey of faith, can I appeal to you this morning? Don't wait to grow. Don't be like me and wait forever. Don't keep lifting your hand at the end because you're like, gotta recommit. No, no, no. We got some amazing steps around here. Sometimes it's just practical. You need to learn to read the word or learn what it looks like to pray. The whole reason why we started First 40 is so that we wouldn't have more Robins at the beginning of their journey of faith where they just kept circling the mountain and chasing their tail. Oh, can I implore you? Don't wait. Don't wait to grow. Don't wait to get baptized. Don't wait to learn your word. Because when we do, we're neglecting this incredible gift called the Holy Spirit who wants to reveal God to us. So if you say yes to that invitation to step into maturity, to step into the invitation being offered to you, then you'll truly know God and you'll receive the mind of Christ. But if you act like me, the longer you wait, the more you'll continue to think like this world and live like this world and not like Christ thinks. In studying this text, I came across an excerpt from a guy by the name of Vance Harvner, who was a revivalist. And he said this regarding the access to the mind of Christ that we have through the Holy Spirit. He said, we can have a foretaste of glory and of the power of the age to come 
We can sample the fruit of the land before we reach the heavenly fields or walk in the golden streets. If such advanced blessing are to be had, we ought to lay hold upon them now. The promises of God are not mere mottos to hang on a wall, but checks to be cashed. And if we ever needed them, we do now. If there is a bank account in our name, we ought to use our checkbook of faith and prayer. While we lay up treasure in heaven, we may also draw funds to our credit and heavenly cash for our earthly needs today. Isn't that beautiful? This morning, if we truly access the benefits of walking in maturity and we have the mind of Christ, then that will lead us into our next benefit that Paul speaks about. We will know how to walk in this world. Paul's letter that he addressed to the Corinthians wasn't just to address the problems that they were facing. No, Paul was trying to equip the church of Corinth. Last week, we talked about how we're called to live holy lives that are set apart. But that call to live holy lives set apart does not mean that we live apart from our world and our culture. It doesn't mean that we hunker down in our homes because we work from home and it's comfy and we can order the groceries in and we can get the DoorDash for dinner. It doesn't mean that when we go out, we just go out with our Christian community and we stay in our bubble. Maybe we even homeschool. You know why? Because this city is dark and scary. There's scary people out there full of sin. No. We are called to be in this world, just not of this world. We're called to be the people of God that actually infiltrate the society. As we continue to study on this book, what we'll notice about Paul and his teaching was that he wasn't appealing to the church of Corinth to just stay away from sin. Instead, he was imploring them to influence their city. It's the whole reason why they started the church to begin with. Paul is saying, you know, you church of Corinth can affect your society. That perverse, that corrupt behavior that they're practicing in, what if you inserted yourself with your godly ways in the way you serve Christ? Don't you think that your life would be an influence? Paul was encouraging them and inviting them to infiltrate the governmental, the political, the business world, to go and insert themselves in their city. And you and I have the same mission today, to utilize our influence in our city. Who has God put you around? What coworkers, what company, oh, what governmental structure? You are not meant to just try and survive life and plug your ears and say, I'm going to make it to heaven soon and rock in your chair in your corner of your office. No, you've been called to infiltrate this city, to be the people of God that can influence the people around you for Christ. And can I remind us this morning that the church is not a building. The church is a group of people that is not supposed to stay hunkered down in this room, but is supposed to go out. So how do we walk in the world and influence the city? By doing what Paul tells another group of people, another church he wrote to. Galatians 5.16, Paul says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. But in order for him to guide our lives, 
we have to invite him into every area of our lives. Listen, the Spirit of God doesn't just want to hang out with you in your cozy devotional chair as you read your Bible in the morning. You're like, but it's safe here. It's warm. No. The Holy Spirit wants you to carry him out into your world, invite him into your day, into your city. He wants to go with you. So I ask you today another question to make it personal. Have you invited the Holy Spirit to be the guide of your life? Every area of your life. The way you treat your coworkers, the way you treat your spouse, the way you raise your kids, how you manage your business deals. Have you invited him into every area, even the parts where no one's watching? Have you invited him into every decision, every conversation? Is he going with you every place that you go? Are you carrying him with you? And I'm not just talking to the brand new believers in the room because we're trying to equip you to carry the spirit everywhere. No, I'm talking to the mature ones in the room. Are you carrying the Spirit in every area of your life? Have you invited him into every aspect? I think that this morning, again, we want the word to change our lives. We don't just want to listen to it. So let's do some inventory, church. Is the Holy Spirit guiding every area of my life? And I don't pose a question to you I'm not willing to ask myself. In fact, throughout this whole month, for some reason, that's been the topic of my conversation with God. Are you truly guiding every area of my life? And then it's funny, I get chapter two and I'm like, ah, oh, I get it. You know, for me, I can say the Holy Spirit is guiding me as I lead this church. The Holy Spirit is guiding me as I lead my kids. But I started to ask myself the deeper questions. Is he actually leading you? Are you inviting him into every relationship that you have? How you have friendship with others, the, the speech that you have and the motive behind what you say, are you inviting him into that? And this morning, as you ponder that question yourself, we have to understand that we're human, okay? So there's a moment right now to remind yourself, I'm pretty fleshy and sometimes I just act fleshly. But these are important questions to ask because our default is to guide our own lives to make our own decisions, to chart our own course and our own path. But if we're not careful, we'll do that with the entirety of our life and we'll look a whole lot like this culture. But we're called to live different. So as you ponder that, let me share a story with you and it's almost time to leave, so I'm also gonna invite the band to come. Uh, recently, Tim and I were talking with somebody about how we navigated leading our church through the COVID season. Uh, a season that we'd never been in before, a challenging season that I would say is where I earned all my gray hair and all my wrinkles. <laughs> we were talking about how we had to close our church, but then we had this dilemma of how do we keep this group of people, these brand new believers who don't know how to walk on their own and they're still drinking milk and they need help being discipled. How do we continue leading in this? You know, when do we open? How do we gather? What do we do? How do we resource our people? How do we lead? And within the first few weeks of online church, remember online church? Oh, may it sit in the archives of my memory that I lose because it was tough. 
in the first few weeks of gathering as a church online, we got on a Zoom call. Remember Zoom too? <laughs> it's our best friend. Got on a Zoom call with a group of pastors in this area so we could discuss how do we lead in this uncharted water that we've never faced before? Kind of had a round table and began to share. And many of them wanted to kind of make a collective effort of like, what well, you know, discuss, let's all do the same thing. And that conversation started because one of the guys who will remain nameless, in fact, I actually forget his name because I don't really know him. <laughs> he directs his attention to the guy on the call that has the greatest influence in the largest congregation. And he says to him, hey, whatever you do, we'll just follow. Whatever you decide, uh, me and my church, we'll, ju we'll just do that too. And right then in that moment, I wanted to take my face and put it as closely as I could to that camera. So I just like took up the whole screen. I wanted to do the Zoom thing where it just was you talking, you know, they didn't see the Brady Bunch mix. And I wanted to say to him, are you kidding me? Because although his statement maybe sounded humbling to some, to me it was alarming. And I wanted to say to this man, you're gonna ask another human how to lead the church, the congregation that God has entrusted you with? Don't you think you should ask God about it? But because I hardly knew this group of people and I was the only female pastor on the call, I refrained from my outburst. Instead, I simply responded for myself and my congregation and I said, we're gonna go seek God about it. Tim and I got off the call. Yeah, you can clap for that. <laughs> when Tim and I got off the call, we had one of those defining moment conversations. We are sitting at our dining room table and we looked at each other with tears in our eyes and we said, we need the Holy Spirit now more than we ever have. We might have some good decisions, but we need God's decision right now. We need His leading. We need to know what He wants us to do. I think that it was during that time that I learned to pray more than I had ever prayed to date. Why? Because I didn't know what to do. I needed His leading. And it was during that COVID season that God gave us some vision came out of Galatians 5:26. It says this, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. There was a phrase that came out of that scripture, one that we uttered over and over again in every prayer and opportunity to make a decision. And here's what it was. We said, we don't wanna get ahead of the Spirit. We don't wanna lag behind, but we wanna stay in lock, step with the Spirit of God in His leadings. Because the truth was, there were so many landmines around us. There was political landmines, there was cultural landmines, there was racial landmines. And if we walked the wrong way, if we went in the wrong direction, we had the potential to not just blow up our lives, but blow up our church's life. So we needed the leading of the Holy Spirit. We needed to not just hear from Him some of the time, but I needed to be so close so I could stay in lockstep. Not, all right, you get ahead of me and I gotta get up or I gotta turn around and find you. No, I need you completely. Let's stay in lockstep. But that phrase wasn't just a phrase for a pandemic season. 
Now that motto has carried us every step of the way with every decision we've made for this church. That phrase has carried Tim and I in the way we've led our own lives. I don't wanna get ahead of you, Holy Spirit. I don't wanna fall behind. I wanna stay in lock step with you. But that's not a truth that's limited to pastors and leaders. That's a truth that's available for every single believer. Because like we experience and will continue to experience, there's some landmines all around you. There's some opportunities for you to go the wrong way, to make the wrong decision and blow up your own life. And because we understand this truth, we have an ability to not just be hunkered down in our homes, but actually walk out in this world if we say yes to this gift of the Holy Spirit that wants to walk with us in every season, in every decision, in every moment, there's an opportunity for that. So as our title suggests today, will you say yes to this invitation of walking with him in every step, in every season, in every decision? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to guide your whole life, not just part of it? My prayer this week as I studied has been that we'd allow the word to change us. And today I pray that we don't neglect the gift of the Holy Spirit who Paul reminds us about in chapter two. The one who gave us the mind of Christ, who invited us to walk out in maturity and who wants to lead us and guide us and equip us so we can walk out in this world. Amen. We pray with me today. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are the best guide. You don't wanna just guide us on big decisions. You wanna guide us in every moment. And right now I wanna pray for two groups of people this morning. The first group of people, some of you who need to make a commitment to get out of your infancy, to finally step into maturity, to not drag your feet anymore because the Holy Spirit's inviting you into a life that's so much better so much more exciting. And he wants to share his mind, his thoughts, his love with you. And others need to invite him to maybe guide you in an area that you've been guiding yourself on, been walking your own path, your own way. And he wants to invite you into this life where you give him all of you, where he guides you in every area. Don't don't leave here. The word should change us. My prayer for you is that you wouldn't leave here without sorting that out with Jesus. Even if you stay seated in your, your seat a little longer, you wait for the coffee and the donuts, allow him to minister to you today. And then the second group of people I wanna pray for today is those in the room who don't have the spirit that we've been talking about because you haven't made a decision to commit your life to Christ yet. I've been praying for you all week too. And if that's you, not only does Jesus wanna save your soul so you can spend an eternity in heaven, but he wants to give you the best gift, the Holy Spirit who will never leave you and wants to walk with you through every season, through everything. In fact, it was that same spirit that drew you here today, who drew you to this place so that you could come to know who this amazing Jesus is who gave his life for you. 
So if that's you today, if you're away from God and you don't wanna be any longer, I wanna invite you in just a second to pray a prayer with me. But before we do, I wanna invite you to not be shy, but to be bold and to be like 16-year-old me with my pink flannel pajamas on and to boldly lift your hand if you wanna come back to Jesus, if you wanna know him for the first time, would you lift up your hand? Say yes to following him today. And pray this out with me. In fact, the whole room's gonna pray this prayer out. You say, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for giving yours for mine. Today, I choose to follow you. Be, be your disciple and I receive the Holy Spirit so I can walk in your ways until I meet you in eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give it up for those who said yes to following Jesus? Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we wanna pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.